I'm going to make sure that that YouTube boots us off. <laughs> there we go. All right. One of my favorite songs. Uh, what's that song, Larry? I have and no that, idea, Jim. You're the music guy. Okay. The gift of death? That is One Way Out, the Allman Brothers. Okay. Uh, um, so uh, I'm Jim Lonestern. I have my co-host. Larry Lauper. This is called Broker Talk. We're here every week at three o'clock on Thursday. So if you want to check us out on uh, all those places where you find your podcasts, uh, let's see. Give me give me a rundown, Larry. Broker-talk.com. Uh, uh, yeah, else? yeah. It's it's BrokerTalk.com. It's it, we're Spotify. On we're on Apple. Um, Apple. Apple. Uh, iTunes. Yeah. So we are broadcasting from separate locations still because of COVID-19, the coronavirus, as it uh, uh, wrecks havoc on our lives in uh, June of 2020. That's where we are. And Broker Talk is um, the number one weekly podcast dedicated to um, the real estate industry and all things related to real estate. And my co-host, Larry Lauper, is here. And how are you doing today, Larry? Well, Jim, we have, uh, we have quite a show today. We have some distinguished guests. But it's as if uh, a worldwide pandemic with more than 100,000 people uh, already dead here in the United States wasn't enough. Uh, we have an economic collapse with more than 42 million people out of work right now. Uh, we have a, uh, a person who was killed this week by some police. They're all under arrest, but it's caused both peaceful, um, uh, peaceful demonstrations and violent uh, demonstrations. So then we have a president who uh, used the military force to attack peaceful uh, participants uh, so he could have a photo op. It is a crazy, crazy time. And what I know about real estate agents across the country is that we roll with the punches. So we have a, a distinguished guest today who's the president of the Mass Association of Realtors. Welcome aboard, Kirk Thompson. Thank you, Larry. And we also have Izzy Varela, a friend of mine many, many years. Um, he's in... Uh, kind of a unique guy in terms of marketing. He's done all different kinds of things. He has a uh, degree in both photo journal uh, in journalism and um, marketing, I believe, isn't it? Or is it business, is he? He's a marketing event planning and also uh, video production. But uh, my background also is also in, in nonprofit management where I worked for the Villa uh, Victoria Jorge Hernandez Cultural Center in the South End of uh, Boston. So here's the first question. And, and in most cases, here's what I know about real estate agents. When a client walks in our properties, we don't see color. We see either somebody who's going to buy, somebody who's going to sell. But um, 
I feel as though um, white people can't talk about uh, the issues going on in our country. And I wanted to bring my friends in here who could share their thoughts. I know that you wrote a really heartfelt letter to all of the members of the Mass Association of Realtors. Um, and we were talking about it right before the show. Kurt, could you share some of those thoughts? So absolutely. And we, we know that these are very challenging times right now, especially after coming through the COVID-19 challenges. And I was very proud of our realtors here in Massachusetts that really were able to create a safe environment for themselves and the consumers and keep getting people into housing that really needed it. And like you said, our commitment as realtors is always to make sure that we're ensuring housing solutions for the public and that we have equity and that we have inclusiveness in terms of our practices and how we interact with the public. Um, the, the George Floyd issue has definitely changed the narrative and the conversation. Um, and even though this is a very difficult time for us to go through, um, both as uh, citizens of the country and as people of color, it's also a great opportunity for us to have conversations um, across the country that are long overdue to move things forward to better resolution and to a brighter future. Yeah. And, and Izzy, how do you feel about it when you talk? I know you have friends all over the world. How are you talking about it to your friends, to the family? What are you saying to people? Well, the only reference point that I have in my lifetime when I was a child is MLK. And I remember I was only five years old and my grandmother explained to me what had taken place. And she said, the last time a man spoke the truth, he was nailed to the cross. So at an early age, I learned the fact that if you speak the truth, the powerful will silence you. In this particular incident, back then, they had riots for about six days. And on the seventh day, the civil rights movement was passed by LBJ because he had to do something for the masses. I believe in the, in the present time, when I talk to my friends and one of my colleagues is actually a... Uh, an appellate court judge, sorry, appeals court judge. We had a discussion about it. And the idea is that very soon they're going to have to offer something. And it may be like the Eric Gardner no chokehold rule or something that gets passed very quickly so that the masses feel something, uh, that, is some, that some action or something is being heard. And it has to be done immediately, not a long-term fix, but something in the short term that will give, I think, everyone else a breather. We definitely have to have um, coming together, uh, both the right and the left. Well, let's first of all, let's separate the peaceful protests versus looting in the streets. These are two completely separate issues. And the looting in the street has to do with both right side and left side militants coming into these towns, uh, from what I understand. Uh, it also is said that that's not true. So what do we know? for fact about this. I know for fact that we have to start talking to each other and continue those conversations until we get a middle ground. That's called negotiation. That's what politics is about. Jim, have you, have you seen any of this in, in your goings oh, in the last couple of months? There, there's so much going on. So um, I stepped outside my comfort zone because this coronavirus uh, actually does concern me. Uh, but apparently it doesn't concern me as much as it concerns some other people. So we did the first 
broker open house uh, today in months. And uh, we told people, okay, you get 45 minutes in the house, uh, social distancing, guidelines in effect, uh, gloves, masks, all that stuff. And I sent out all these invitations, personal invitations, plus broadcasted it through the MLS pin system. And I had, uh, if, if I extracted out people I personally invited and who were personally invited by my, uh, my, my team associate, because uh, she invited some people, we had two people show up. So we had all this food left over, which is not a, not a problem. We certainly can deal with the food, uh, but people are frightened. Uh, the point I'm, I'm bringing, the one person that showed up, or actually two people showed up for me, uh, she was at the protests in Boston. Now she's, um, she, she weighs probably about 80 pounds. She's, uh, she grew up in Great Britain. She's in her 60s. And she was there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, she got tear gassed. Uh, the person next to her got shot with a rubber bullet. Uh, so there's all these questions. Uh, and, and if you read the news, uh, the question is, um, should white people e even be at these protests? Uh, I see uh, people of color uh, online literally upset that there are people other than people of color at these protests. And then, of course, um, all the looting and, and everything. I mean, it, it's just out of control. And then, of course, we have a president that just uh, fans the flames. I heard one of the uh, generals today, uh, not General Mattis, but another one, uh, say that this is the first time in his life that uh, he... That, that, that was Mattis. I'm pretty sure uh, that was Mattis. It's the first time in his life that he has had a president who actually is making no effort to keep keep us together. He's really yep. divisive. Yep. I yep. want to get get off this though because it's it's a very very difficult topic. Share some some uh, news from the economic um, uh, person who runs Nest Association. Uh, National Association of Lawrence Yun is a chief economist for NAR and um, mortgage applications are up 54% right now. And if you're going out and getting a mortgage application, you're going to be buying a house right now. So 54% is a huge rise uh, right now. 30-year loans have broken through records three times in the last two weeks. That's just amazing. There was a 21.8% drop, and this is in the nation. This isn't here in our Massachusetts. Uh, I don't. I haven't seen much of a drop off at all. Have you, Kurt? We haven't. And Massachusetts is a very different economy from the rest of the country. So when we talk about numbers at a national level, we're looking at countrywide. Massachusetts is very different because we have always been a very desirable place to live. Even when we look at population growth, I believe 2010 to 2017, we had about 11% population increase. Well, cities like New York were flat and Chicago even declined a little bit. So we still are suffering from severe inventory shortage here, and we still need to work very much on production, creating more production of housing in the Commonwealth to make sure that everybody that wants to be a homeowner 
and wants to, to move into a home has that opportunity. And that's something that I believe as we come out of the COVID-19 challenges, you're going to continue to see with, with that severe inventory shortage and still what we're seeing is very strong consumer demand for housing that is creating significant upward price, uh, pressure on pricing right now. And we're hoping that that will subside a little bit as we come out of COVID-19 and we have more sellers bringing their homes on the market. Well, we're in phase one right now uh, of four phases for Massachusetts. So even though real estate is uh, an essential business right from the beginning, uh, it's understandable it's essential. Food, shelter, and clothing are the three primary things everyone needs. Real estate is shelter. We're number two on that head parade. So uh, all it drives the economy, both commercial and real estate uh, and residential real estate. Everybody who lives in those places and goes to those jobs, pays taxes, we're the backbone of the economy. And it's absolutely essential that, that we serve these people that have these needs. Izzy, you told me a story about buying your, uh, you have a wonderful home uh, here in Southeast, Southeast Massachusetts? Uh, South Attleboro. Yeah. And, and you, you told me a story. Can you share that story? Sure. Um, I've had, a, I had two stories about purchasing a home. This is about 2010, 2009. And uh, I, made a purchase, I made an offer in a home in Franklin, Mass. And uh, the realtor contacted me the next day and was very upbeat. And she goes, I got some good news. And I got some bad news. I said, great. I said, you know, I said, what's the bad news? Said, well, the bad news is they won't budge in the price. I said, okay. I mean, in this economy right now, I mean, most people, you know, if you go below a certain price, you know, it's kind of negotiable. You know, they're kind of stuck in that price. I said, okay. Then what's the good news? So, well, the good news is they checked their neighbors and they're okay with you buying it. Yeah. Now, that wasn't the first revelation that came to me about being a, a homeowner. Like before, only place I had was a you know, condo in Atlanta and I bought it from a friend. Very easy peasy transaction. Then I came across this house, which was a foreclosure. And I made an offer and it was a blind auction. My my broker told me, whatever you believe, put a little bit more down on it because you're going into a blind auction. So I ended up putting $20,000 more than the asking price. And I, I barely won by like maybe three or $4,000 over the other bidder. And there was another person who had uh, a very favorable bid, but it was contingent upon selling their home. I had no entanglements. Mine was a total transaction of giving them their upfront deposit. So I had the money wired. Uh, from my account from Syracuse, New York, to their broker firm. On Tuesday, I get a phone call from the uh, office manager saying, we have not received your check. You need that $10,000 check here uh, somebody, by tomorrow, otherwise you're gonna lose the home. And I'm like, that's kind of crazy, let's, let's track it. Priority mail is not as easy as track as you can believe. So it's a little ambiguous. And the fact of the matter is they couldn't find it. So the next day I had the money wired to my account from Syracuse and went to the uh, realtor's office, had the cashier's check and I handed it to the gentleman. And his first response was what floored me. And it wasn't congratulations, I'm glad you get the money, I'm glad you have a close transaction. 
should have been congratulatory. His first reaction was, where'd you get the money? Yeah. I said, I got my money from a bank. Yeah. Your money from. Yeah. So I said, what you really should be concerned about is that a $10,000 check is missing. And from what I understand, it's either uh, mail tampering or grand larceny. So I'll be here on Monday with some people that I know who will probably look into these matters. And that's what you should concern yourself with. The next day, I got a phone call. And he said, Izzy, we found your check. Was that a cashier's check as well, Izzy? It was a cashier's check as well. He asked me to oh, put man. a stock payment on it. And I said, no, no, no. I put a stock payment on it. I can't receive the funds for 60 days. Right. Wow. So That's I better put a flag on it. So for me, that was my experience. And that's yeah. part of the process and some of the world we're seeing today. Yeah. Well, you're the only civilian here. The rest of us are, are real estate agents. We're all nodding our head. Yes, it's, it's horrible things uh, go on here. And I want to tell anyone here in the audience, if you're having any kind of an issue, call us. Um, we're happy to help you. Um, uh, we have people here on the, on this, um, uh, call right now who have a great deal of experience solving those issues for people who are having problems. And Larry, I think what you're, what you're hearing Izzy talk to is implied bias, which is yeah. what we're really dealing with right now in the country, which is perception of citizens one way or another based off of a disparagement of perception on the person that they're looking on. So in real estate, especially with realtors, we've always talked about our code of ethics. We always talk about 93A fair housing, and we strive regularly to make sure that we are giving equal treatment to all consumers we come in contact with. Now, we know that that is not always what the consumer is experiencing out there. And right. our hope is that through additional education, training, and us as a society getting better at understanding our biases and then operating in, operating in a way that over, overshadows those biases, that we can make sure that the consumer has a fair and equitable process when interacting with anybody in the country, whether it's law enforcement, realtor, medical establishment, education, anything. I agree. So sponsorship, Castles Unlimited is here. Oh, excuse me. Castles Unlimited is home to the mighty realtors of Castles Unlimited. And to start your next home or real estate investment uh, search, go to castlesunlimited.com. The agents of Castles Unlimited are here to help you when you are ready to make that move. What's next? <laughs> I did anybody else. I can do another. I can do another sponsorship if you want. <laughs> anyway, that, that was like the best advertisement. We didn't hear the last half of it. <laughs> really? Oh, okay. But I, I did get the Castles Unlimited. Uh, you know, I felt yeah, that. Castlesunlimited.com. Yeah. Um, I, I want to say something about prejudice, though. I think everybody has prejudices. Everybody does. There, there are things that, you know, somebody likes broccoli, doesn't like broccoli. And I'm talking about a vegetable, but, you know, they like, um, uh, don't like, don't trust one nationality versus another. We've got to just stop that. Mm -hmm. um, because deal with people as people first. I think is the key. And they'll surprise you. People will surprise you. People will also mm -hmm. disappoint you. But uh, um, anyway, we in the industry, we're kind of used to the BS. 
because uh, what do they say? Don't BS a BSer. Um, not that all of us are full of this, but real estate is one of the only industries uh, where it's legal to lie. It's called puffery. You know, that a falling down house is called a fixer upper. <laughs> Absolutely true. But um, anyway. Well, it, uh, and I think a lot of the fix that we have is by having standardized processes. So for example, it's human nature. If you get a call on Sunday morning at 8 a.m., and from one buyer that wants to see a $100,000 property or from another buyer that wants to see a $2.5 million property, there's a human inclination to potentially treat those calls differently. As real estate practitioners and as brokers, the onus is on us to make sure that we uh, implement the right policies and procedures to ensure that each person calling in, regardless of socioeconomic condition, regardless of any uh, color, race, creed, orientation, is receiving the exact same treatment and the same access to, to housing and the same access to professionals to help them in their home search. Yeah. An, uh, another uh, part of that, uh, you'll know, Kurt, too, because you you see it, is someone who's offering a 2% commission versus a 25 versus a 3%. So if, if your buyer your, uh, wants to see houses where the commission is lower, you're most likely going to uh, not most likely, a lot of people will move them towards the more, uh, the house with a better uh, uh, commission for them. And, and that's just flat out wrong. Well, the, the reality is all commissions are negotiable and every agent and client sets their own rate out there. So our hope would always be that agents are providing the best fiduciary uh, service to their clients, irrespective of the compensation. And I think that we have a really good number of realtors out in the field that really do put their clients first ahead of the paycheck. Yeah. Again, it's more the implied bias in working on those issues to make sure that we're not inadvertently acting in a way that's not consistent with how we would want to act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think it's exciting what's going on here in Massachusetts. Let's just drill down here. Uh, we've got fantastic numbers. There are more and more properties coming on the market. I'm finding over the last two months that that in one regard, our job is easier because the only people who are out there, the sellers and the buyers, are risking their lives in, in a very real way to do this. So we're not having to mess around with people who uh, are just looking around or might do something, might possibly do something. So in that regard, it's easier for us. Have you seen that, Jim? I, I would say this is a normalized market. There's probably equal numbers of buyers and sellers right now. Uh, we're, we're still thinking that there's going to be, you know, it, as, as the uh, governor says, uh, everything's all clear now. Uh, we're going to have a rush of, of buyers and a glut of listings coming on. But I see it being a very, um, a very orderly pace. Things yeah. come on, things get sold. Buyers step up. You know, there's still going to be uh, uh, bidding wars. I, I heard of one today. Um, so uh, I, I think we're kind of back back to a normal, not, not a normal life, but a normal real estate market. Yeah. 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 We're, we're seeing very similar trends. Um, I use my first two escalation clauses in my 20-year-plus career 
within the last month to get two buyers into property. So there it is a very competitive market out there. But as you said earlier, Larry, it, it's no longer what I call a market for the curious. Those that were curious or were just interested in seeing homes, it's not worth the potential risk exposure right. to COVID-19. Yeah. They can't even get into the houses in most no. cases. So everyone that's out there is serious. They're pre-approved. They're driving by homes before the shows. They're looking at the video tours and the 3D tours online. And they're much more knowledgeable consumers that are empowered to be able to act when they're able, when they see the home that they're ready to purchase. So Kurt, uh, your escalation clause, uh, how, how are those, do you write that yourself or do you have uh, a form? So we use we have a form on um, Zip Forms, which is one of the forms platform that the Massachusetts Association of Realtors provides to all. Realtors. MAR has it. Okay. It's an MAR form that I used, um, and I was able to access it through Zip Forms. And it's called escalation clause. It's an escalation clause, which basically says, "Here's the price I'm going in at, but I'm willing to pay X number of dollars over the highest offer up to a certain level." And I never would have used them a couple of years ago but they were necessary because we found our buyers were getting outbid on properties. They were going 10, 20,000 over asking and losing out to higher offers. And that's in central mass. That's not in back Bay or Beacon Hill. Yeah. Did you actually get to see the, uh, the other offers that we did? Well, even with the escalation, our client lost out on the first one. Um, the second on another client, they were actually, there was a higher offer, but because of timing, we were able to take it out with our escalation clause, which was close to about 10,000 under the, another higher offer. So it's competitive out there. That that's what buyers need to know. They need to get with a lender that knows what's happening. They need to get with a good realtor that knows the local marketplace and can assist them to put them in the best position possible. Yeah. I was on another show earlier uh, this week where it was talking about, uh, it was all lenders, and they were talking about how truncated, meaning shortened, the process is now. It used to be 60 yeah. days, then it went to 40, 45, and now they're just getting it done quickly. People are not wasting time. So if you're interested, talk to somebody who has been through this, and, and you'll have a better experience and probably a better result. Yes, Jim, who, who are we talking for today? Oh, the, the other sponsorship? Uh, the Savage Wiener Gourmet Hot Dog. is Love the best wiener for grilling. Go to thesavagewiener.com and use discount code BROKERTALK to get 20% off your order of Savage Wieners. Now I'm hungry. Savage Wieners. Gourmet Steak Hot Dogs. Nice. Very, very, very delicious. Yeah. We are happy you joined us today at Broker Talk. We look forward to seeing you next week. Larry, any final words? Well, I certainly want to thank um, Amar President Kurt Thompson and uh, uh, marketing guru Izzy Varela for sharing with us uh, their thoughts and their feelings and their stories. Thank you so much, gentlemen. It was a real pleasure. Thank you, thank Kurt. You thank you, Izzy. Very much. Good seeing you, Larry. It's great to see you, Jim, someday in person should, again. Should uh, come to the beach. The water's great. <laughs> nice. <laughs>